Well, grace to all in peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who has risen from the dead, and in the power of our Holy Spirit. Amen. What would you do if you actually got to meet one of your favorite celebrities face to face? Hmm, think about a minute. Who would that be? Who would you like to meet? And would you be calm and composed, or would you not be able to say anything, or would you blurt out something embarrassing? I read this week about a young man named Gareth who wrote about the time that he met his idol, Dolly Parton. And as he went to her to get her autograph, he said, I've loved you for more than 20 years. Dolly grabbed his hand, looked at him and said, Oh honey, don't stop now. We all hope we'd stay calm and composed when we meet someone whom we look up to. But we hope that we wouldn't do anything too foolish, like maybe not recognize them at all. I read this week about David Beckham, who is a world-famous soccer player, who was convinced to come to the United States and pose as a Target employee. He was in the perfume aisle, convincing people to try to buy the David Beckham cologne. He had on a red Target t-shirt, the name tag, the whole works. He tried to start up conversation with people who go by. He'd squirt them with the, with the cologne a little bit. He tried to sing a little bit. Once in a while, a small crowd would gather around him, but none of them recognized one of the most famous soccer players in the world. They missed him entirely. This morning's gospel lesson, some men from Greece come seeking to see Jesus. We don't know much about the Greeks in this story, but we do know that Andrew and Philip did not know what to do. They come to Jesus and said, hey, these Greeks want to see you. Jesus took care of it. It's interesting that we should probably note that right before this passage, Jesus had just called Lazarus out of the tomb, the man who had been dead for days. So Jesus' fame was spreading. They kind of wanted to meet this famous person. Large crowds were gathering around Jesus and around Lazarus, trying to understand what in the world was going on. Because this person looked like they could make a difference. So here we are, a year into a pandemic. All you have to do is watch the news and social media and know of all the unrest, even this past week. Once again, racism has risen its head. That what the Greeks request is kind of what's on our hearts as well. We kind of want to see Jesus. Because deep down in our hearts, just a secondhand report isn't enough. We want to be in the presence of Jesus, the one that can raise the dead, the one that can heal, the one that seems to change lives. We, like Thomas, kind of want to put our hands in his hands, put our hands in his feet and side and see if this person really did rise from the dead. 
We want to see Jesus. In fact, that's why we've come today to worship. We aren't here to hear the latest political philosophy. We want to meet Jesus because something is missing in our lives. We begin probably our very lives with great hopes and dreams and strong faith. In fact, we start out every week that way with great hopes and dreams and strong faith. But by the end of the week, we're crawling. Because time takes its toll. And we sense that something is missing in us. And our lives can seem really tedious. Lacking vitality. Kind of like we're on a constant treadmill. Now, most of us think of treadmills as high-end exercise equipment. But this week I learned that treadmills were originally invented as a form of punishment. I guess if you've been on a treadmill, you might consider it a form of punishment. In Victorian England, treadmills were placed in prisons. Prisoners were forced to walk for hours each day on a treadmill as a form of mindless, meaningless punishment. Hmm. I wonder how many of us feel like we're on a treadmill of life, constantly moving but going nowhere. Always busy, but not producing anything. Sensing that emptiness in us. I heard a word this, this week coined by some Germans. The German language often takes two words and makes it into one. And the word that they created literally is translated life tired. I don't know about you, but I can really relate to being life-tired. I'm just tired of all this stuff that goes with the pandemic. Tired of, of just all that, how our lives are now. I learned of another word in the Farsi language, which is spoken in Iran, a word that means to practice holding sadness. conveys the idea that we're just carrying sadness all the time. It's a burden that we can't put down. And then in, in Russian, there's a word that refers to the sensation of a great spiritual anguish, often without any specific cause. Spiritual anguish, great sadness, carrying burdens, life tired. Boy, I think we can relate to that. We want to see Jesus. To see if Jesus can take away these burdens. Take away whatever it is that is inside of us. And so Jessica talked about it in her video today. But Jesus used a metaphor of a seed to help his followers understand what it means for him to die and be resurrected. You know, as an agricultural community, they understood that it's not just a simple explanation of planting in the ground and growing into life by this miraculous event, but there's something needed here. I mean, most of you know that you can take a seed and store it in a cool, dry place, and it will remain a seed for years. Nothing will make that seed grow on its own as it's sitting in a box on a shelf. In fact, as it sits there, it's merely a dead, dry shell but it's also filled with potential. 
but it needs something very important outside of itself that can cause change within. And what a seed needs is water. And with water, the process of germination happens. That water activates enzymes within the seed, and it begins to swell and soften. The seed's interior begins to hydrate and repair, and metabolism begins, and the plant's embryo begins to grow, breaking through the shell and putting roots into the ground. And a plant is born. You and I, we're kind of like that shell. We need something outside ourselves to activate us. And so Jesus says, I'm going to draw all people to myself. And that Holy Spirit is going to immerse you in the holy water. That's what happened today for Theodore. He was washed in holy water. Every one of you contains God's miraculous potential because each one of you was created in the image of God. I learned this week in a devotional that I read of a Jewish proverb that I had not heard before. It says, before every person, there marches an angel. And that angel is proclaiming before you as you, wherever you go, behold, the image of God. Can you imagine that? Think about that for a minute. Wherever you go, there's an angel before you announcing, Behold, the image of God. And when that Holy Spirit, the water, saturates us, and we're implanted with the seed of Jesus again, we grow and we change. And we thrive as new creations in Christ we have been marked with the cross of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's the promise, the covenant that has been made with us. In baptism, that Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. We don't know Jesus from reading a book or accessing some special knowledge. We know Jesus because Jesus comes into us and we are molded and changed, gives us new hearts, new eyes, makes us new people. The Reverend Desmond Tutu spoke of this gospel from John. He said, when Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He said, I didn't say some people. I said all people. All. All. That is incredible. It is radical. Jesus is drawing all people into an embrace. And he's not going to let us go. Can you imagine? In Jesus, there are no outsiders. All are insiders. All are children of the Heavenly Father. The rich, the poor, the lame, the blind, the clever, the not so clever. The white, the black, the red, the yellow. All. God's love is so powerful. It attracts the whole creation and all peoples. In fact, it is God's love that drew you here today to this worship so that God could send that Holy Spirit to wholly hydrate you with love. 
that today you are being acted upon in the miracle of germination of faith and hope and love is growing in you. When we allow the Spirit to surround us and permeate us and fill us and use us, we experience the resurrected miracle in our lives. So what does it mean for you and I as we go out from this worship out into our everyday life? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. There is an act of service that goes with following Jesus. Yes, we have been forgiven. We have been renewed. We've been given this new life. And now we're to imitate Jesus. How will we do that? What will our lives look like? I was reminded about how John Wesley wrote to his people, who is the, we know today as the Methodist Church. He wrote the rule of conduct. He said, as people of God, we're supposed to be doing all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That's a lot. How do we do that? By letting that Holy Spirit hydrate us. By immersing ourselves in Jesus and the Holy Spirit of life. Today, God is at work. God is right here at work. God is not afraid of those parts of your lives that might frighten you. God does not value us as the world does. And God will not give up on us. God is on the side of life and love. And love and mercy and life offer it is stronger than the hate, judgment, and death that too often colors our world. Today we're reminded of this, that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of God and of Christ the Messiah. Can you hear that song? The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of God. In Christ we realize that life is much more than we ever knew it to be. And that our world is only a fraction of what true life can offer. So as we move this day into next week, into Palm Sunday, and then on into Holy Week and Easter, may you be immersed in the Holy Spirit. May you have holy hydration of God's love. May you marinate daily in God's word and allow Jesus to fill you and use you as only he can. You know, the last week of Jesus' life is called the Passion because God weeps for the sins of the world. And on that cross, in the broken body, of our Lord and Savior, you and I are made whole again. May you experience resurrection healing and resurrection hope as you go out into the world this week. That you might be able to do all you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Thanks be to God. Amen.